What makes someone swap an air-conditioned office to work in the heat of a kitchen? Our guest today is Vivian Wong. Vivian left her job as an equity analyst to open her own food truck. Today, she's the owner of Verdema, a Mexican restaurant in Hong Kong. She's here to share the different challenges she overcame in all three of her food ventures and why the joy of entrepreneurship goes beyond money. I hope you enjoy it. And if you do, be sure to subscribe and consider leaving us a review and sharing it with your friends. Welcome to another episode of In Your Best Interest, your personal finance podcast. I'm your host, Philip Müller, and today I'm joined by Vivian. In the last 11 years, Vivian has built two brands and four restaurants. CNN named her first restaurant, Mr. Taco Truck, as the best Mexican restaurant in Hong Kong in 2010. And the Mexican consulate even endorsed it for its authenticity. Her second restaurant, Verdemar, is a full-service Mexican restaurant that also showcases Mexican art and lifestyle. It was featured as one of the top restaurants of Flavors of Hong Kong in 2017. If that's not enough, Vivian is also a professional pianist and yogi. In fact, her latest venture, Yippie, is an online platform for the yoga community. She's also a business consultant to the startup community, a pro bono consultant to various NGOs in Hong Kong, and she's also been invited to be the mentor at the Hong Kong Federation of Youth Groups. Welcome to the show, Vivian. That's a huge thank, intro. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, it's really, really good to have you here today. <laughs> Um, I, I, you know, for the audience, uh, Vivian and I have been chatting a little bit before. Um, she came as a great uh, Thank you referral to us from, from, from our friends uh, and group deputy CIO, Stephanie, which we will have an episode with her soon as well. But why is Vivian on the show? Obviously, this is super, super interesting, this background, Vivian, uh, of coming from the finance side where, you know, most of us or myself have spent most of our lives in, but also, you know. <laughs> working with some startups myself, uh, it's always super interesting to, to, to see people's um, life evolve over time, right? And yes. um, what we usually do on our podcast is we, you know, we, we want to get to know our um, guests a bit better, right? Before we talk about uh, more on the topics sure, of sure, entrepreneurship sure. in your case. But um, so what was life growing up for you? Were you always interested in finance or did your parents get you to be interested in finance? It's very interesting. It's the total opposite. My whole family, they are in education. My dad is a school teacher and now my brother is a, a school principal. So I'm the weird person getting into the commercial world. I think um, my Childhood is actually, I was trained a lot in piano. And so my, my childhood is all about music, competitions, performance. And, and then I was told, do I want to continue this professionally and go into our academy and stuff like that? And I asked myself, I spent almost, you know, my first 15, 16 years just doing piano. I do want to have a taste of what it is outside piano. So I said no to my teachers. <laughs> and then I uh, applied for college, university, like normally. And then I got into business school. And that housed my, um, I guess, the commercial life come in, which is absolutely nothing in my uh, family background whatsoever. They don't invest. They have no clue. They can only save cash. Uh, and that's the best 
um, capital investment method in my family background. So, so I went to um, business school. It was really interesting how I picked uh, finance as my focus because I had no clue what the financial news was talking about back then. I just that that broadcasting lady talking about everything, and I was like, what is she talking about? Like alien language. So I was like, mm, I think that probably more. Uh, meaningful if I pick finance, at least I can understand the news. So I just did that because of that. And that's how I I started studying finance. And luckily, after graduation, I landed a job in equity research. And yeah, that's how my um, commercial life started. No, absolutely. That's super, super interesting. So <laughs> how, how, you know, when you do something for 15, 16 years every day, right? Yes. Uh, like playing the piano and then obviously having to make that decision you're still young, but was that your passion piano? Is it still a passion or was it something that you, hey, I did it for 15 years, I, I need to find something new? I think I liked it and I enjoyed it, but in, it was more, I started to play when I was four years old. So it's kind of like going, what is it, going to school to me or like, eating every day so it's really just part of my life since I remember uh, what it is like and and when I grew up then I seriously thought about okay everyone is talking about going to our academy or not and I had a chance um, but then I thought what can I do what my life would be afterwards and I think I was pretty okay with my piano back then I think to be um a musician or a music teachers or piano teacher, I think I was I would be fine. But then, um, how many uh, musicians can really be top pianists, like performing all over the world? To be honest to myself, and what do I want to do? I say, if I wanted to, I'm a kind of person that if I want to do something, I wanted to commit to the highest level. So I feel that um, it's not that easy to be the top pianist. Uh, well-known pianist and then I thought maybe I want to see what's out there besides music and that's just that I didn't really think it through too much because I thought I was just 16 I mean yeah yeah so I just and, and, but but yeah. you uh, like I think I like your I like your um, already <laughs> thought pattern there because already like an analyst so that one was good that became became, a, became an analyst on the other side because you you went through the decision-making process there really well so on, oh, yeah. on, on why I got to yeah, I gotta convince myself because I got to bring this news <laughs> to my teacher, which I don't think they will like it that much. But they supported <laughs> at the end and my parents too. So that was great. Well, wow, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Well, then you go work for an investment bank as an equity analyst. Uh, yes. What was your day-to-day -day like? What, what were you covering if you, you know, had to tell people what an equity analyst does? I, oh, I usually tell people in simple language when you go... On the news, you see people putting buy and sell call. That's what I do. I'm the person who put that buy or sell call. So uh, my day-to-day, -day, I started really early. Um, we had a morning meeting at 7. So before 7, I had to go in and, you know, make sure the world is okay and I don't need to react, like, instantly. So I go in maybe, like, 6-ish or something into the office and, and then uh, we go in the morning meeting talking about what's good for the day. And then we um, then start off. I think equity analysts, I always think I was super lucky because I studied finance. That was probably the 
most uh, related job at all. I mean, I, I used, I able to use all everything I learned in school in that job, running those model or those financial principles. And, and I feel that it was, it was super exciting. Of course, I realized that what I learned in school, I mean, in the first day of the job, I already don't know what to do. I didn't, I can't even use a Bloomberg machine, right? And then my boss asking me to pull some data and I was like, oh, how? You know? <laughs> so, um, learning curve in investment bank obviously high because people expect a lot from you. And, and uh, so long hours, um, everything, want everything instantly and yes. perfectly. And as I think in the, as I've seen, my, my boss used to tell me, being an equity analyst is kind of like a top of the supply chain to an investment call. So we analyze raw data, uh, not too raw, like, yeah, yep. um, uh, uh, yeah. And then you put into an opinion and everything, everyone come to you for an opinion, whether they, they agree or not, it doesn't matter, right? But they would like your opinion. And then this opinion will be transformed to fund manager and then fund manager make call and then blah, blah, blah. That's till the end of the supply chain. So it, it, for a young person like fresh out of college, I felt it was quite important, you know, like people yes. actually asking me for advice. And of course, it can be really frightening sometimes. And um, I started as in a small cap team looking over Hong Kong stocks. So that was, um, uh, end up, I, I found it extremely valuable experience to my entrepreneurial journey. I think I will come back to that and I do. I think a bit after that, I went on to be in the oils and petrol camps team. So covering mm -hmm. all the majors, Beijing uh, big guys, uh, mainly. And my boss was the Asia Pacific oil guy. So I do a lot of the oil price and, and other Asian companies as well to assist him. So why I say small cap team is so um, valuable to my entrepreneur's journey because that sets my tone of um, there's no set of knowledge, like expertise in a certain industry. Every company uh, we decide to launch is, can be totally unrelated. Today is a toy company. Tomorrow is a retail, textile, you know, consumer product. So every, every time, um, it's very interesting because you, you get to see so many things. And that's also why people ask me, how, how come you can just quit your job and open a restaurant? That's just That how was I my next question, right? Because obviously, <laughs> you, not many, you know, if you have that, if you have that experience, uh, you know, in an investment bank as an analyst, right, you're kind of set for your path, right? So you go like that's director, true. managing, hopefully managing director, kind of like the, the, the path down that line. And obviously pay is really good as well. Yeah, so, for, you know, for, for a young person. Yeah, 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 for a young person. That it so was how do you really make that perfect. decision again against the grain as you did already <laughs> with your piano uh, career track? I would say it's a bit, little bit more difficult than the piano because it involved money, <laughs> you <Yes>. know. <laughs> uh, but then I think, um, as I said, I'm not afraid of changing. I think this is one of the things, maybe as changing from piano to finance is one change of everybody. So I was like, you know, it's okay to change. And I think one of the most um, important thing that influenced me over my, my years in equity analyst was being an equity analyst, we talked to a CFO or even CEO for a listed company. 
so we, we I was asking about his company, tell me about his company, the numbers, the prospect, what are they going to do, right? And then I go home and I put a buy or sell coordinate. So I felt like that I, I that guy who running his own business or being in the expertise for like 20, 30 years or even more to land a CFO job or CEO job, uh, or even is the founder of the company, but then is me out of college, like 20-ish, something that I'm saying this is not a good company i think you should sell so i felt it was not i'm not qualified maybe that's the word i felt that who am i to tell people this is not the company to to buy or to to sell or whatever so that was the operational experience that's lacking in my equity analyst job and i think this is one of the main reasons um that i decided to be an entrepreneur because I wanted to see if I can create something before I criticize someone else. Who I think this is a very something. important point, right? <laughs> because I think not many people actually think about it that way in that business because yeah. you are actually, you know, making assumptions based on numbers sometimes or based on yes. you know, some kind of higher level data that you have. But there's yes. obviously people who put their blood, sweat, and tears into that business that you are yes, now yes, yes. telling people to maybe sell the stock on or something, right? Yes. So yes. It's, it's very conflicting, right? <laughs> it's very conflicting. And maybe it's also because, as I said, my family background. But I have zero exposure in finance. So I think I'm more able to feel something with the whole scheme, not just because finance is one part of the business, right? So yep. maybe that's how I feel I was like lacking and this and and that okay i was like okay i wanted to do something i wanted to create something and the next question is when so basically when to quit the job and start doing it and that i think it was on my head almost for a year before i actually quit um because of course what you just said about the money the salary and and the bonus flying all the uh, business class you know yeah um, corporate cards and all that that's I mean, I know I'm going to lose all that the moment. And you that. kind of hooked on that lifestyle, right? Yes. So I think that, that's the hard part, part where people always, uh, and that's why I always tell people, hey, if you want to do it, do it on the side first, right? Just see, yes. you know, if you don't want to take yeah, that yeah, part. Yeah. But then the other option would be to just uh, cut off the boat when you get to the island and just no return, right? That's the other yes. way. Yes. I pro probably yes. better in the end, but harder to do right if you i'm definitely the person who think as i said i i committed i wanted to be successful and i think if i do it half-heartedly it's hard but having said that it's yeah. impossible to do a side job with an equity analyst job yeah, exactly that's I, the issue. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's probably not on the table for me back then uh so i thought about it and then um i think i i that was a catalyst the catalyst was the lehman brothers um, incident and all of yeah. a sudden everyone knows what happened in the financial world turning upside down and I thought maybe it's also time for me to make a change so uh, uh, and I just did it that's all I didn't try so to think did, too so much did you go, and then we can go into what the, what the business is that you went into from there right but um, what was so you, you quit your job and immediately you already had a business plan in the back of your pocket or what, what was the process of well, getting to that first I, business? I did have a vague idea because I, I, I got this, I, I got this idea of creating something, as I said, already almost a year on my head. So I, I, before I quit, I should at least know what to do instead of no plan. And as an equity analyst training, 
the most, um, the word is, I also say, the best thing we can do is to write reports, to do a business plan. That's what we train. So that part is actually quite natural for me. So I think about a lot of things and um, eventually it was actually my, uh, my boyfriend back then, which is uh, now my husband. He said, why don't you do a Mexican um, taqueria and we can get some tacos. And I was like, are you crazy? I was actually saying, are you crazy? And, and it's like, impossible, right? How I see myself running a restaurant. I like to eat a lot. I, I cook sometimes, but I definitely don't see myself running a restaurant. So I shut him off and I was like, no. And then I go back to another few ideas. But then when I do the business plan, as I said, I was one part that I'm a bit good at. I can't figure out how to make money in all other ideas. And only with this restaurant model is easy to figure out how to make money. And then they say, okay, you won't really have that debt because everyone pay you on time. And you get to pay your suppliers later because of, you know the credit terms and stuff. So I was like, maybe his idea wasn't too crazy. And I started to investigate on that. And I like, I like Mexican food myself a lot as well. And back then there's probably almost none in Hong Kong um, with authentic Mexican food. So I thought um, that's pretty niche. So, uh, uh, I, so I thought that's one thing, uh, maybe I'm good at comforting myself. So I thought, okay, it's so new in Hong Kong. So if I don't cook it right, no one knows, <laughs> you know, because they never really eaten what real Mexican food is. So I got some time to learn and catch up. Of course it didn't because Mexican came into my door when I opened yes, it and I was like, freak out. Because <laughs> they were looking for their, for their home yeah. food, right? <laughs> I didn't think about that, you know, but then uh, I just uh, I do that. And yeah, I just, but maybe because it's a bit like how I just told my piano teacher, I'm not going to, you know, academy, I'm going to do something else. But maybe it's the same thing. I just, yeah, I'm not going to um, continue this finance uh, banking journey. I think I, I'm dying to create something on my own. And of course, when I make decisions like that, I don't really think it's, it's, a, it's a big decision, but this is not the end of the world decision. I thought if it doesn't work, it's okay. I get to eat six months, seven months tacos and I try to get another job in finance maybe. Maybe not the same job, but I would figure it out. Just I, I'm that kind of person, I guess. I just no, but I think, think that's the per, that's what it takes to also be an entrepreneur, right? It you is actually. Because yes. if you just worry about Plan B, or if something goes wrong, then you focus on what's wrong. You right? never really start your first step. That's true. Yeah, exactly. I think that's that's really good advice for everyone out there that <laughs> wants to wants to follow in your footsteps. There, right? And yeah. um, before we get any further and like kind of like see what happened after that is, how did you? at that point, manage your finances when you, at your personal finances, right? So you've been an equity analyst, you learned more about mm -hmm. finance, probably started investing or saving money from, from that job, right? But now yes, you're being yes, an yes. entrepreneur, right? So, so yes. you need uh, startup money right? for this, right? You might not yes. have any income for a certain amount yes. of month. So yes. how did you set yourself up to be able to do that from a financial standpoint? I think I was pretty lucky that a um, couple of years before the Lehman Brothers hit, it was a good year. So yeah. um, salary was good, bonus was good. So, and I'm not a big spender to begin with. Uh, so I do save up some money. 
to uh, that few years I invest in a few stocks, but it's not that easy because we have to um, apply for compliance and stuff. So it's mostly just big blue chip that's just, you know, put there and wait for it because you don't get to do instant uh, yes. um, yeah, thing anyway. So, so not much. It's basically just um, put in a few uh, big blue chips. Really yeah. Boring. Yeah, but. and then and then, <laughs> but, and then and then from a cash flow perspective, by starting your business, right? Kind of, did you have a set amount of savings on the side that you know you can draw yes. on, or did you have an investor immediately to to help you start the business? I um, I so I I do my projections. Um, yeah. How how much capital I need? How how far I can get the best scenario? How far I can get my money back? Uh, stuff like that and I figure out um, X amount of money I need and luckily that was within my my uh, capacity so I, I actually first my first restaurant I partnered with um, a friend from university so it was uh, more not really I need the money but it's more about I need a person to do this together you know it's just quite frightening yeah. that what I'm going to do so I just <laughs> Got a friend. Right? Why don't we do this together? And I feel better. And uh, so it's just it. Uh, so I, I, my first uh, project was actually quite small. It's called Mister Taco Truck. So it literally, I, is is it's like a snack shop. Um, I wrap the kitchen like a truck. So the concept was if you are in Mexico or in um, a lot of places outside Hong Kong. Hong Kong definitely not. But you will see food truck everywhere, yeah. and food truck means things that's fast, but tasty and um, affordable. That's exactly what I was trying to do. Uh, so I was selling simple stuff like uh, taco quesadilla stuff that uh, I thought it was easy to make. Uh, <laughs> so, and and the investment can keep it a bit lower because I don't have so many things and I don't have, I don't need a kitchen. I mean, I don't need a dining hall. I don't need to hire a lot of servers because it was more like a fast food model, right? So um, uh, my my approach is one step at a time. I, I think, okay, I got to figure out what it is like to run, to prepare those food. Uh, so more like a Mr. Taco truck would be kitchen focused for me. Okay. So I actually spent two years cooking myself in the kitchen and prepare everything and that was definitely the toughest time in my life i thought i thought um uh being an equity analyst is tough because i i have time when it's reporting season you work till two three and then six o'clock i'm back into the office right and yeah. that happened twice or fourth time a year so it's pretty often actually and so i thought it's fine. Uh, when I when I started to tell my family and friends that I wanted to open a restaurant, they all said, "Are you crazy? It's so difficult." Uh, you know, yeah, so that's what I always just hear. I have no, I don't. I'm not involved in the F and B restaurant business. Yeah, but uh, I, that's what I always hear, right? Yeah, it's it's so tiring. I mean, especially Asian people. They would say, "You're working in an office with aircon. <laughs> Why are you doing all this?" Is the Asian mindset come in, right? And I was like. My job was actually quite tiring. I, I, I thought it couldn't be more tiring than that because I basically didn't really have time to do anything else uh, back then. So I thought it, I should be fine. 
it wasn't an easy job anyway. So I thought I could. So I could, but then now when um, people come to me and say, oh, I want to open a cafe. I really like, you know, doing my own thing. And I was like, are you sure? It's really hard. <laughs> now you're the one saying that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> After the experience. But, 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 but did, did you feel you were more passionate about this than being an equity analyst? I think so. I, I think yeah. I'm passionate about building something on my own, not necessarily yeah. restaurant, uh, yeah. but I just, I just pick, the, the process of building a business. Yeah, uh, uh, but the the I pick restaurant, so I I gotta commit through and do that. So and I wanted to. Everyone says it's so hard to manage chef, and they are right. So I was like, I need to know what it is like to be a kitchen, and that's how I I started to do everything on my own in the kitchen and learn my way through. So I um. I think it was good because I, I started to understand uh, what it is. Uh, really, this business is not just flicking some numbers. Obviously, it's, it's, I always say running a restaurant is an, it's actually pretty much an art, an art of the chef. Yeah. Like, yeah. And no, for sure. Then, then, but then, so then, how did so I I I'm being blind here, but like. Um, You obviously um, started uh, the taco truck, right? Yeah. And um, from there on, did you grow the business more? Because I'm assuming coming from a financial background, there wasn't, and you said you were crunching numbers at the beginning and having a business plan done, right? Yeah. So did you scale this up to multiple taco trucks or what was the, what was kind of like the journey? Uh, I was lucky. Uh, I think my first uh, venture, the small little truck, was uh, uh, from the first day it was uh, operational break even. Um, I think it's, it's really because I did my homework right, which I've talked about the business plan. And, yeah. Yeah. So it was instant, instant success. Uh, and I, of course, I was so happy about it. And, and within a year, I got all my investment back. and. And I was like, I got to open more, right? There's so much demand. There's like, good. And back then it was 2012 and Hong Kong rent is starting to be crazy, starting to be crazy. Uh, so I was in a time that I thought if I don't do it quick, I will miss, I will miss it because I won't be able to afford the rent. So I made a quick decision. We just go out and then we started, we rent a spot in Central, in near Lang Kui Fong. Um, so thought that was where the action is, right? A lot of people around uh, in that neighborhood. So I just jumped in and ran that shop and it was proved to be the biggest mistake in all my entrepreneurial journey <laughs> because I rushed. Uh, but I guess it was a, a valuable lesson. There's a few things that I quickly point to why it was a mistake. First, um, the location was a bit on the far end of a dead alley. So there was only one-way traffic. And then the store was quite deep and narrow, which now I learn is really bad for any retail business. Uh, and the third thing is I didn't realize is they don't really have space for me to hang more air conditioner in a, a, the compressor outside the wall because before it was an office uh, mm. and I took it up and I opened a restaurant. And then in the hot summer in Hong Kong, I'm not able to have enough air. With a kitchen. <laughs> Even With a kitchen. Right? <clears throat> and you're basically telling people not to come, right? Yeah. So uh, all these mistakes, I didn't, of course, I didn't realize in the first time it was 
all these years, then that's how I realized. But that makes me, I learned so much. It was, I was still lucky because um, I, well, I rendered it anyway, so I need to continue to do what I do. People still love the food. I'm very thankful. It was more like operational or it's a business mistake that is just uh, hinder the potential of a business, which uh, uh, on that part, um, I, I, I trying to fix this and that. I think the number one thing I cannot fix is really that aircon thing. And I put a lot of uh, like aircon style fan in the in the in the dining hall, but it's not the same. I'm not. I'm sure everyone knows it's not the same. <laughs> but then, uh, interestingly, I'm sell, I, I was. I still remember because not just I don't have enough aircon in the middle of the hot summer because the sun will shine directly on the compressor. It will overheat and stop. So in the middle of the hot summer and lunchtime, my aircon will stop working when I have like all the customers sitting and then they sweating and I comfort myself with thank God I'm selling uh, Mexican food it's supposed to be hot so <laughs> <laughs> that's very true it's part of the experience right <laughs> yes yes so um, yeah so I fight through that and and eventually things getting better I'm trying to start to understand what running a business is all about because I mentioned my first adventure, it was an instant success, but to be honest, I didn't know why. I thought, you know, people love the food, that's all. But yeah, people like the food, but running a business is far more than just that. So does this yeah. give me a really a good lesson and experience what it is to run a business, especially when you're running into tough time. But then um, good times don't last too long. Uh, then it started to get into the, um, the yellow umbrella movement in Hong Kong, yep. which are exactly in central. So everything stopped in central. And, um, and, and I was like, oh, okay, another, this is a risk that I used to uh, write about in my initiation Correct. report, yep. uh, political risk, right? And that exactly does happen. So, okay. Um, after that, uh, business really that that one was not really that good because of I think it's really the neighborhood thing. So when yep. the lease up in that um, central area, I decided to move, and then I moved to my third location in in Wan Chai. And that time I started to toy the new idea instead of Mister Taco Truck. I wanted to um, try a full experience because I mentioned that I did truck because I didn't know anything about restaurant so i wanted it was to a good simple. entry point right it was a lower yeah, yeah. lower entry port lower barrier of entry into the business right with yes. less risks at that point. and 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 when i don't have the expertise skills of the yep. you know industry here and yep. when i'm running the second restaurant i actually um start a new partner which he is a mexican chef so that was oh my god that was wonderful it's decision because i don't need to cook every day anymore <laughs> <laughs> and uh, of course he came in and everything is so easy for him and he I think after six seven months then he started to tell me I'm really bored with cooking fast food can I do something something else I was like of course you do something else and when he cooked different dishes and then the customer started order and they all enjoyed it and I can see the potential of running a full restaurant and now I have a chef and he can obviously uh, manage all this uh, kitchen experience and operation and I started to learn that my Mr. Taco Truck brand name doesn't match with a full restaurant um, serving. People don't expect to come in and have yeah. a full restaurant. So 
this is exactly okay. When I launched my third restaurant, I wanted to fix all that. I want to to find a shop that is super wide and not deep, and I have enough space to hang so many aircons that I can, and somewhere that is more convenient, that um, easy to get around. So I made a. I made a proposal to my uh, real estate agent. I, I told him that I need a shop in Wan Chai, which um, in Wan Chai, that's, it's a mix of East and West, but it's basically more catered to the West. It's just maybe three, four blocks. The rest, if you pass that block, is very Chinese. So I only have that three, four blocks. So I give him a list of what I want. I want somewhere which is really wide, sharp, uh, blah, blah, blah. And he basically said, what? What you want doesn't exist because it's um, old district. I mean, they don't have this. They don't have the, which he is right because this old building they don't really have those wide uh, storefront. They all is standalone, small, deep, um, narrow storefront. So I said to him, "It's okay if you don't have it, then I'm not going to open." I make it really firm with I only open. When I feel that I find the right thing, I'm right? fine because I rushed in my second one and yes. I was having such a hard time. And um, I talked to a couple of agents. No one come back in anything. And um, there's another agent come back to me, and then he <laughs> took me to other place, which totally not related. And I thought he's wasting my time. And then all of a sudden, when I was like, oh, maybe it's just not a good idea finding one try. Maybe I should think of something else. And then he called me. He said a pizza shop just left. And that shop exactly fit what you want. Oh, I even give him number of seats I want. Uh, so I need a certain amount of size. Yeah. And he said, it's exactly fit. It has exactly meet what you want. And I couldn't believe it. I was like, really? And he said, yes. And then he, he asked me to go there. I went there. Well, me and my chef, we went there. And we were outside. We were like, yes, this is it. It's, it fit exactly how. So how does it do that? Because it was too narrow shop combined together that's why there's a wide storefront and that was so unique in the neighborhood that's and then within two hours we signed a check and ran the shop mm-hmm. and and then we, we started to uh, we still have a bit of time overlapping with this, uh, uh, the two shops but then um, more or less I wanted to focus on this new model and I think it's also more fun to me just running Mr. Tucker for a few years and I think it's it's more like a um, progress for myself as an yeah. entrepreneur. So I want to do something new. So I started to be, uh, relocate all the resources in this location. I started to build it like a restauranteur, like, you know, not a fast food or someone who's just trying to learn what it is or running my own business. And I am super thankful uh, that Sharp proved to be, it fixed all my mistakes. And I did what I wanted to do. Uh, and I think uh, Chef also loved the idea that he can cook far beyond just fast food. And people come in, I can see uh, they come in for a wonderful Mexican dining experience. Uh, what I learned about food over a year, that at first I thought I just need to cook some good food, right? Of course, after so many years, it's actually never just about the food. There was I would say there was a prerequisite, but it was so much more. It was more like an experience that you were delivering to your customer. And we do Mexican experience, and it was good. So I thought that was it. I, I, I made it. I mean, restaurant journey, good tech. And as someone who passionate about building something, not necessarily restaurant, I wanted to move on doing something new. 
there was um, the yoga uh, platform coming in to my uh, new was something I want to start new journey. So I thought, okay, that one chair shop can continue to run, operate, everything will be fine. And which it was until, of course, um, the COVID hit. I was going to ask you, actually, you know, uh, and I think this is uh, throughout your journey that you've been, you know, explaining today and sharing with us is uh, you need a lot of resilience too, right? <laughs> When, because there's things that, you know, they, that get thrown into your path that yes. you don't expect or you, yes. you know, you can't really not even model for even as an analyst no. and uh, exactly. obviously COVID is a big one obviously in all of our lives now almost for yeah. a year and a half it's affecting all of us now for a year and a half by the time we're recording this in June of 21 right um, yes. and for restaurants I assume this was a lot of pivoting or you know I don't know uh, yeah. how you how you dealt with it yeah I think for us in Hong Kong our tough time start before COVID. It was a moment of political unrest in Hong Kong. Yep. Uh, the, uh, the issues. So uh, my restaurant located in the middle of the protest route. So every weekend we got some tea gas coming in and stuff like that. So um, we didn't really start doing business from, I still remember, June 2019. Uh, one week before that first protest coming in, I um I talked to my husband and when I was uh, watching the news I was like it feels like the um, yellow umbrella movement you you feel I just feel it when people start talking about what it is in the news and and the people getting more and more angry I I felt like oh I felt like it is coming like that and and then he was like ah no you know it's just a couple of protests is fine and of course it turned out I was right that yeah. I, so I was actually I was actually able to predict it um, e even before it was started. I think there was what you call experience coming in. It's definitely yeah, yeah. and uh, um, is I make it now. I make it what experience it is called pattern recognition. Yes, yes. So I just recognize what it is like back then in Central, and now it's going to happen. So for us, the tough times start a little bit early. And then when it's finally coming to die down a little bit and then COVID started to hit. Uh, I still remember the first day COVID, it, it was in January in Hong Kong, the first case in January. And I think my business started dropping 90%. Yes, really, 90, 90%. Yeah. And, and it was everything come so fast. And again, I talked to myself, oh, that was my natural disaster risk and political risk that I used to write on the report, yeah. which we never thought is going to happen, but it happened now. So I can't really blame myself because when we write those reports, you can't blame anyone because they told you about this risk, right? Yeah. So, so I, I, um, trying to keep my costs down um, and cut whatever that I can cut in terms of uh, part-times or, or ingredients and stuff like that. And, It basically just keep my head down and trying to pass through that. And uh, I guess one thing, at the toughest time, of course, we're not able to open uh, for dinner. They tried to close the lunch, but uh, it didn't work because Hong Kong still a lot of people have to go to work. So yeah. eventually we still have a little bit lunch time. But then Did you also get into the thing. delivery space? Or not um, really? There is a delivery platform 
before already. So I've already joined those delivery okay. platforms. So I was basically just, you know, continuing that front. But honestly speaking, people don't, you, you, it's not like you put everything in a box and you are a delivery company. People don't yeah. remember you when they want to order delivery at home because they think you are a sit-down restaurant. Correct, yeah. Yeah, so that switch for the customer is pretty difficult to yes. make, yeah. So, so of course, I can do, I can just pack everything in a box and I'm a, I'm a takeaway restaurant, but in reality, it's not. So, um, it was tough. And, and I, I think it, the toughest time is uh, the lease. I thought, I actually thought about whether I should just cut the lease today or continue the lease and um, hoping that things will be returned and then we can get our deposit back. Eventually, I did, we decided to stay on and see what happens. And um, But then when we talk about the new lease, the, the landlord is not willing to reduce a penny. So that was super tough. I still remember it was in the middle of the peak of um, uh, one wave, a lot of waves in Hong Kong. And yes. we, had, we were not able to open for dinner. And I was negotiating him on a rent that I in the forward terms when things will be better. So I have zero basis to make this decision. I go over all my um, P&L, um, all my statements. I, what numbers should I plug into that rent? Then I can make my mm. numbers right. I don't know. And it was almost like I just make up the number and I hope it will work. It's really like that. And he want this number. I said no, and there was this number. And eventually we couldn't make an agreement and I, and I knew he was serious about not reducing the rent. And I, I still remember I, I went back to the restaurant. I sat there and I looked at everything. It was like, I, I built all this, right? And I enjoyed the ride. I like it, but I didn't really see it coming. Um, just that it's not, it's not really my fault, I would say, right? It's, it's, it's yeah. a natural disaster risk. But I guess it's no point to blame anyone. So I, I honestly gave myself two, three hours because I didn't have time, honestly, uh, because he's rushing me for a decision. Yeah. And, and I need to make the decision after that. I have a lot of to, to, to prepare and stuff. So I gave myself two hours to be upset and um, thinking through, you know, I don't have a plan to reopen or whatever. It was in the peak of the COVID. I thought, okay, maybe this is it. But maybe it's okay i told myself because i did that this was an experience this was always with me of course it was like i feel like a pity um but maybe it's okay i keep telling myself and then after two hours i was like okay no time to get upset i just have to start working and i returned the call to landlord i said then i'm not signing we are not signing the list let me talk about the the dates um the closing dates and stuff like that and I was, it was, everything happened so fast. And um, uh, I got to tell my staff, I got to tell all the customers and then we're closing. And I was still, I was still, interestingly when I, it's interesting what entrepreneur is, is now I know is how to manage uncertainty as part of your daily life. You can't really plan anything. Um, you can't have a blueprint like a framework, but the details, you just have to go with the flow and react quickly. It, it's just really that 
when I first said that I opened this venture shop, I had this everyone everyone in the property uh, business say my my requirement is not exist, and yes. then I got the I got the the, the shop, and I I still felt. It was impossible. I still felt unbelievable. After three, four years in that location, I still unbelievable. And the day that I hand over the keys to the landlord, he has been good for me in, in all these years. So we are still friends. Um, uh, so I, I tell him, honestly, this is still a very good shop. Because I know the moment that I say no, someone will take it. It's how it is in the business world. Someone always have money, right? So this is not me, mine anymore. Something that I thought it was my dream. It's not mine anymore. And I have to be okay with that. And, and eventually it was like that. And then I, um, uh, t- telling all the customers that we had to close in a rush and yeah, pass the key back to the landlord. And that was, oh, that was a huge lesson. Um, uh, that whole year we thought in Hong Kong, everyone thought those uh, protest days was the darkest. Oh, it was so much easier compared to the COVID time. I mean, uh, I still remember when I said, oh, next month will be better, next month will be better. Then I stopped thinking because it's not going to be better. So better yes. just not thinking about it. Yeah, so that was the, the, how it wrapped up my, my third restaurant. But yep. um, I guess uh, quickly I go through another thing. That's, uh, everything happened for a good reason. I, I, I'm a person who believed that. I think um, to be an entrepreneur, a few criteria you need to have. And one of the criteria is you just have to be in faith, having uh, positivity in life that things will be better, else your life will be so miserable. As I said, we, we talk about um, uncertainties as our daily life, right? When you can't be comfortable dealing with uncertainty, no one will be comfortable, honestly. I don't think so. Uh, it's just a matter of find, uh, whether you can manage the stress or not. So um, when we talk about uh, we have to close, and and then one of the customers came to us. Uh, he he actually talked to chef. He was like, "Oh, he he is an old guy, um, Chinese guy." Um, he said, "Why? Because I really like the food. I've been eating here two three years. My office is nearby." And then chef told him what happened, and he said, "Oh," and then he started to talk for like two. Almost two hours, I, I heard. I wasn't in the shop back then. And then um, that, <clears throat> that old guy took out his iPhone and passed to chef. This is my, my location in Sayang Poon. Do you want to take a look? I mean, it's nothing like... Um, Sayang Poon is a much quiet area compared to Wan Chai. Mm-hmm. But it's nothing like that. But you just take a look. Is this okay? Then you take it. If you're not okay, that's also fine. And I still remember... Chef probably told me two days after because we were in the midst of closing. We don't really have time. Let alone that open another business in the midst of COVID. It sounds like the stupidest things to do. So we didn't really add on that. And he told me this. And I was like, really? Oh, okay. And then after two weeks, I said, did you say someone show you a shop or something? And he said, yes. And then he find out this number and I call. Because I think I... I think we should at least reply like a courtesy to someone who offered this. Yeah. And then and then it's very nice. And then they sent me some pictures. The pictures looks right. And we were like, okay, maybe we can go take a look. And uh, we take a look um, maybe another two weeks later because we are not in the mood of opening a restaurant, right? So I was stalling in a bit. I was there and it, the shop was 
perfect. Um, uh, the inside is high ceiling, very unique. Um, they have a lot of daylight. They even have the terrace. So I was standing inside. Everything is so good except it's empty. To someone to run business, uh, run restaurant when it's empty, it means a lot of money that I have to put in before I can make it into a restaurant. So in the middle of the peak of COVID, when everything is closed, so we were like, it's nice, but I think you should think about it. So um, and then until the landlord called us, are you going to show interest or not? Because if not, then it's okay. I just maybe we just uh, rent to something else and stuff. So it's kind of like a deadline for us. So we and chef talk about it and and then uh, think about the finance, how much money to put in, all this kind of stuff. But yeah, guess... that's that was, that's actually my question, right? Like, how do you manage <laughs> the risk then, right? Because already, like, significant yes. parts of your wealth, I assume, were in the business yes. that you own, right? Yes. So at what point then? Yeah, how did I you think, manage that um, risk? Or I was I was super tight in controlling um, cost. Uh, I'm that kind of person who will run a business. You can tell, which you can is, say, which I'm, I think is very, very important in a, in any kind of business. But a lot of times, uh, <laughs> entrepreneurs are visionary, right? They love to yes. sell, they love their product, they, yes. they're actually passionate about it, but yes. then they're lacking the financial skills. So that maybe that's where your your background yeah. comes in a lot. Yeah, right? uh, I'm super straight, and I don't like to take that, so I don't really have that. Yeah, because uh, uh, um, I I have some investors, so. Uh, so I'd rather take investor money than um, that, yeah. That, yeah. And uh, I think that proved to be and extremely important. That's a good important. lesson for anyone listening, right? Uh, starting a business also. Yes, because uh, a lot of people would ask you, why don't you go to the bank and uh, ask for money? Yes. Uh, oh, the interest rate's low and stuff. But I don't want to take that risk because being an entrepreneur is stressful enough alone. If you have to think about owning other people's money, while you are not generating any money. Think about this scenario in your life. You don't have a regular paycheck and you have this big loan that you might uh, own another person. It, it, it doesn't, it's not impossible. A lot of people take loans, but I don't because I don't want that extra stress for myself. So um, that's my way um, to, to, that's my style in entrepreneurship, my journey. But yeah, I, and I stick to that. So it proved to be extremely um, wise during COVID because of the super tight control, cost yeah. control, and I don't have that. And um, we have been having capital reserve, so it has been eating up our reserve. But it's, we still have a bit of money in terms of the company wise because it's just tight. There's no shortcut; it's just tight cost control, basically. Yeah. And then, so we still have money. We still have enough money. Of course, I have to go to all the investors and convince them that, hey, it's in the middle of the COVID. You want to open another restaurant? That's basically what I was doing, right? Yeah. And uh, uh, But thankfully, they, they they trust me and my chef a lot because they, I guess they saw how we able to manage that. Even through COVID, we still have money to invest in another project. And they were like, it's fine. Just do it. So uh, we got the green light. And then I still haven't called the landlord because I need to... I need to... Um, Tell myself why, why am I doing this? You just ask a question, like how are you going to get around to open this in the middle of the toughest time in our human life? Probably, I was like, yeah, I don't know why, and just if I do this, I, I don't think I will get my my money quickly, 
And then why am I doing this? I am an entrepreneur. I'm a business owner. I, uh, what do we do? Then I go through a lot of things on my head. And then I realized one thing. Being an entrepreneur, uh, I think money is one part. But the sense of why are you doing this in terms of mission, maybe, is even more important. Uh, when we started to uh, talk about the closing for the customers, a lot of customers come to us and say thank you, and they really like the food, they enjoyed it, they wish we could open again somewhere. So people normally won't really tell you a lot of this, but then they come to us. It was super touching, and then uh, we feel like I feel like it. Oh, maybe I did. I did create something that has value. Remember my first mission of running a business? Yes. I wanted to create something. And then they thank me for that. And I was like, maybe I did that. I did touch some some people's heart. In that sense. Yes. And then um, the talk with Chef. Chef wanted to continue. I think that's, well, that's what he does. He, he, loves, yes. he loves cooking. And then uh, talk to the team. The team said, we want to continue. So I have the shop. I have the team. I have the chef. And I... I think I still have some customers. So basically just looking at myself to say yes. And I look at the bank account and, <laughs> and I was like, whoa, why? And then I realized I like what I do um, in terms of um, create something meaningful to others, which in restaurant is delivering good food, good experience. And then um, being, well, I like the food myself too, uh, yes. to begin with. That's how I started because I thought I can eat. And, and I was, okay, I can eat. Some people can eat. There are people who like my food can eat. I can eat. And my staff, who I spent so much time to build up, because this is another, well, it's another journey, uh, another story yes. to talk about stuff. Yeah. It's extremely hard to get stuff. And I got that. I got a good team. I got everything. And then I started to ask, maybe it's not just for money. Money is an important part, but uh, sometimes when we do something, uh, it's, it's more like follow, or it's, it's called follow your heart. Like deep down, ask yourself why you do it, what you want, what, what makes you want to do this. And for us, I think we just want to continue to prepare good food for people who like the food. Yeah. When, I get this, when I get this clear, the answer is easy. It's, it's a quick You have yes to do then. it, right? You have to do yeah. it, yeah. Is yeah that, because... and, I, and I know we're running against the time here, right? Yes. And I know we could talk a lot more about all kinds of other things. But when we, when, we, when we leave the audience now with something, I think, you know, pursuing you know, or bringing happiness to people and then also being passionate mm. about it are some of the key themes we touched on. But is there any final thoughts or for people wanting to venture out on their own or go yes. into the F&B business um, that you would give them along the way to, to help them out? Um, I think um, one thing that I, I was touching about what deep down you want to do with your life. Um, uh, you, earlier you mentioned I'm doing this new yoga app platform, which is one thing I wanted to do because uh, I'm a yogi. I like practicing yogi. I think that helps me to deal with my stress being an entrepreneur. And I actually just wanted to share that joy to so many other people. So my, it's, it's become a social mission to me that I wanted to spread yoga. And not really just uh, because yoga bring me, as I said, is a de-stress. So it bring me peace and happiness. So I 
wanted to tell people, you know what, you should start your journey to find your own happiness. And, and in that sense, yoga can help you. You can start doing some yoga, maybe you can find yours. And honestly, you can do anything. You can run, you can play golf, whatever. But then you, can, you should start your um, happiness journey now. And that's exactly just what I do in the past 10 years. Why do I quit my job and start this um, food truck? And why I finally leave this COVID mess and decided to do this again? It's not just for money, honestly. If for money, I should stay in bank and do that job, honestly. <laughs> but, yes. but other than that, I think it's about I feel happier. And when you feel happier, you, you have passion. When you have passion in what you do, you have, the, you have the mind to fight anything. Anything, uh, you just have to make it work, then you figure it out. Uh, so being entrepreneur is, is, a, is a lonely battle. You're just doing it by yourself, but it's super rewarding. Um, and a tiny bit that I want to touch, actually, recently I was reading a book about trading uh, and and that guy talked about mindset of to be a good trader. Uh, interestingly, I found it exactly the same as being an entrepreneur. Uh, you just have to, you have to be disciplined. You have to, don't put your emotions before. Um, you have to understand why you are doing this. Don't chase. And then, but don't be afraid to make mistakes. But of course, your mistakes will be manageable. If you put it in a financial sense when you're doing um, investment, it's exactly the same thing in entrepreneur journey. So I think it's actually, I think it's applied to everything on, in our life. Yeah, no, those, are, those are great final words. I think it's, it's, <laughs> good, it's a good, um, uh, good thing to give to people to start out because you've been through the journey. And I think, you know, going yeah. through... It's not Don't a straight up. line up all the time. <laughs> no, exactly. exactly. And, and yeah. there's always going to be some ways that you can manage the risk, but sometimes you just also cannot, right? And you have to count yes. for that uh, yes. and, and, and stay in the game if, you, yes. if you're really passionate about yes. it. Yes, stay positive, open your yes. mind and just... Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Vivian. Thank you so much, Philip. Yes, I really appreciate speaking with you. That's it for the show this week. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe and leave us a review. The reviews really help us. And we love reading your comments as well. In Your Best Interest is hosted by me, Philip Müller. We're produced by Stashaway and we're mixed by Mo Ramley.